Hello and welcome to the Found in the Forest podcast. I'm Craig Serhit. I developed this series to help spread the word about the environmental school in British Columbia and how it's changing everything I thought I knew about education. This podcast series is a collection of interviews which includes my discussions with the educators, administrators, researchers, parents, and students that are involved in the environmental school. In last week's show, we looked at grade separation and report cards, and today's show focuses on place-based education. One of the more visible aspects of the school is that there is no conventional school building. All the learning happens in place around the community, and every new place the school visits has something to teach. We start today's show off with the school's principal, Clayton Maitland, and SFU researcher Michael Conkins explaining how place-based education works. The five pedagogical practices are teaching and learning um, environments. We'd have uh, place-based education, imaginative education, we'd have uh, inquiry methodology, uh, inclusion, and then the environmental ed. So if we start with the first place-based education, and that's learning the histories and knowledge from the place itself. And we can extend that to become the place as being the educator. Those stories that arise from being in one given place uh, becomes the first educator in any experience that we go into. In a traditional classroom, it could be anywhere. It's, it's, a, lot of, it's a lack of context. And the, the natural world, the more than human world, is, is backgrounded. And so by having a school that's based outdoors, that's based outside of a building, First of all, um, allows us to have direct experience with things that we can learn about, whether that's science around learning about trees and salamanders or the immediate environment, but also beyond that too, learning of, with, through the natural world. It's, it's, it's huge. It's not just exciting and emotive and enjoyable, but it's also, I think, more rich and nuanced and subtle. So I think it provides a lot more capacity to learn all different kinds of things. Because we're learning in place, right? We, the best place to learn is in the natural environment. We miss a lot of that. And so the best teacher uh, is in the natural environment. So we spend as much time as we possibly can there. Um, we have a lot of parks, a lot of wooded space in Maple Ridge and Pitt Meadows, uh, along the dikes and on the trails of Blue Mountain or, or in different places. And we can open and embrace those trails and those spaces and we can learn there really quite easily. I think kids want to be outside. It's hard for a lot of kids to be cooped up inside of four walls. And it, and it says something to that this is the space that learning happens in this box. And so. When you can get outside that box, not only is that physical, getting outside of a box, but it's also metaphorical or cognitive or emotional. You're getting outside of the regular confines of what human beings tend to think of as learning, or at least the way it's come to be thought of now. And so you're escaping potentially some of the trappings of mainstream education. One of the unexpected things I witnessed while I was filming the documentary was how the kids developed a real attachment to the places that they would spend weeks at. When it was time to move on to another location, many of the kids were sad at having to leave that place because they had fostered a bond with it. They cared about it, and I found that really interesting. Here's environmental school teacher Dana Muse explaining that connection. What's more relevant, measuring the perimeter of your garden to build a fence or what's 12 plus 12 plus 12 plus 12, the perimeter of the square that's drawn in the textbook. 
what's going to be making a more emotional connection to them and um, things that make an emotional connection is what you remember. You don't remember what's in the textbook because you don't care about it. You don't have that emotional connection to it. When you're out building your fort and have to learn how to use tape measure, learn how to build the structures, you have that connection because you have your hands on it, because you, it's around you and you're experiencing it, you have that emotional connection and that helps you remember it and make it meaningful. One of my son's favorite activities when he's in the forest is building forts. What is really interesting is how the simple act of fort building blossomed to a unique learning experience that could only happen when you have the right place. We have a piece of the forest where the kids are building forts. And it has a lot of, had a lot of dead trees, a lot of blow down. So we went in there with hand saws and cut up trees and the kids industriously fell to making forts. And for the longest time, they would just go into the forest, build their forts, play around a bit. But as the forts started to become completed, we really looked and said, okay, well, this is all fun, but is there really learning going on here? Or are they just playing in the forest? <laughs> we built a village. And last year, we made like families, like, oh, you can be the mom and we can be all your children. And like, this can be your house. <laughs> and uh, this could be our neighbor, and this can be like the store. Once you're done your fort, you can build your little like shop. You can sell twine for amount of sticks, like you can trade sticks. We didn't dictate what groups, you know, how they're gonna do it. They just, that just naturally evolved. And then as we watched them play, then we realized there's a, there's a whole different social dynamic going on. You know, we really looked at this as, as this evolving culture, this, this whole society. So then we had this, our transportation corridors sort of evolving and then the need for conservation. And that opened up a whole bunch of conversation about what we do to the planet, like our, our land use. That's sort of how things can evolve and have evolved in our, in our school. There's a lot of research about building forts, not just because they're a fun thing for kids to do, and so when we look at it first as a fun thing to do, that's a very social activity where kids can, can work together, work out problems, build together. I mean, if we were to create a social story and, and talk about it, why not actually do it rather than, than separate it into some picture book or something like that? And they can actually build it, make it, and solve their problems within there. Um, if we take it to the, the, the deeper and broader sense of what goes on in fort building, they're learning a ton of skills on how to use tools, saws and hammers, or they're using different types of saws, they're using uh, lashing and, and the skills of uh, tying knots and pulling it together to understand friction and what that looks like, to understand the construction of a building that, and what their building looks like compared to others. So as just that one little activity of fort building expanded to this really huge, broad, different activities that went along with it. And that doesn't include the, the possibility of building the slope and design or the angles and for mathematics and making sure that the rain sloughs off of it and, and that the, if there's drips, how to solve that problem. Like within that, there's all the other activities that go along with it, which, which is quite incredible. It's interesting how the relationship between place and curriculum develops based on what each location has to offer. 
I think if you look hard enough at any place, you'll find learning opportunities. Here are teachers Dana and Randy to expand on that thought. Good job. Where you are. So are we ready for our adventure? Yeah. All right. Well, lessons, topics, and, and big ideas, and curriculum kind of like emerge from the place. And it's, you can't really force it or else it's just not going to be relevant to where you are. Right. Do you think you guys can count how many banana slugs we see on the way? We saw How many so far? One. It's better now that we've been places for two years, and it's going to keep getting better once we get to know the places even better, I think. So you kind of look at what does this place offer for us, and, and what can we um, set them up to, to learn from in this place. And um, we spend um, almost two and a half months down at Elko Park, and spend a lot of time on the salmon and the watershed and all that there. It offers a lot, but it's also a place that the kids that don't want to go and cut open a salmon and, and look at the innards of that can, can go and explore about the uh, um, aquatic insects instead. So there's lots of possibilities too, I guess. Think of place-based education as going on daily field trips where every day the students are immersed in a place that offers the opportunity for experiences that stay with the child and reinforces the learning. If you're interested to see what kind of forts the kids at the environmental school built, you can watch the entire fort building chapter of the documentary for free online at foundintheforest.com. Well, that's it for this week's show. And just a reminder that you can watch the entire documentary at foundintheforest.com. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send them to info at foundintheforest.com. And if you can take the time to rate this program in iTunes, that will help other people discover it. Next week's show is all about learning in the outdoors. But first, I'll leave you today with environmental school teacher Mario and his thoughts on learning in place. Kindergarten kids have dissected fish on two different occasions this year. We've looked at scales. Um, we've watched them on their reds, on their spawning beds. And so it's about, again, it's about opportunity. They're right there in front of us. And I think by being immersed in it, they just pick up little bits and they all sort of form a bigger, bigger picture. So I would like to see our grade ones now who've already been here, this is their second year. What are they gonna be like when they're 10 or 12 or grade seven or eight? They're gonna really have a different understanding of a river than most people would ever have. <laughs>